0: Well, I would imagine most of us at one time or another in our life, we've had the experience that somebody was watching us. Ever felt that way? Somebody's looking at you? Maybe it wasn't a feeling. Maybe you actually, you know, locked eyes on somebody and realized they're looking at me. And, you know, you you kind of go through a couple of things. First, it's a little bit of uh, bewilderment. You start to wonder do I know them? Do they know me? Are they looking at me? And, and then it moves from bewilderment to maybe a little bit of fear or anxiety. And we start to wonder, is something wrong? Do I need to pull something up? Wipe something off? You know, why, why are they looking at me? And then, and then once you think, okay, there's nothing wrong with me, then you get angry. What are you looking at? You, you want some of this? You know? Don't, we don't like people looking. That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? When I say you want some of this, I can see the fear ricochet all across the room. All right, fine, we'll move on. But you know, folks, you've ever thought about it? Nobody. I, I don't think there's anybody that likes the feeling that somebody's watching them, that somebody is staring at them, which is kind of interesting because you realize you've never lived a single second on this planet when somebody wasn't watching you. You're always being watched. About seven verses before the end of Mark chapter 11, Jesus arrives at the temple complex. And as He gets there, He enters what is going to be a pretty intense afternoon. He's going to be talking with the Pharisees and the scribes. And man, they enter into some dialogue on some pretty weighty issues and they start debating that back and forth. And that's going to go all the way to the end of Mark chapter 13. Now you just kind of do the simple math there, folks. I mean, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, covering the life of Christ, obviously for the most part his his last three years, uh, 16 chapters long, over one-eighth of this book is on this one afternoon. We think about it covering all this time, and yet one-eighth of the book is covering... An afternoon. And in that afternoon, Jesus is discussing with them. He's discussing questions about who the Messiah is. They talk about taxes. They talk about giving. They talk about the the resurrection. They talk about what the most important command is. They they deal with things like uh, what are the signs of the ends of the times and the, the great tribulation. And this is not a discussion that they're having over a cup of coffee. Uh, there's debate, there's disagreement, there's confrontation and accusation. So this is all going on as Jesus has entered the temple complex. And, and while this is happening, man, the temple's up and running. I mean, It's, it's a regular day of business, if you will, at the temple. I, I imagine uh, if this discussion with Jesus and these ph- uh, Pharisees and scribes, if that was happening kind of out in the center of the concourse. Maybe back toward the window. But it was happening on Sunday morning. I mean, people are going back and forth. People are coming in and out of the sanctuary. There's hundreds. There's thousands of people there. So this is a busy moment. A lot going on. They would have been going into the temple to, to, to bring their sacrifice. The priests would have been performing sacrifices. They would have been going into the temple to pray. So on the one hand, you got Jesus out there engaged in this intense debate over some pretty heavy issues. You've got thousands of people moving around the temple, doing what you do at the temple. And then all of a sudden, the, the Scripture kind of brings us to a screeching halt. And it shows Jesus Watching something. In the midst of all this, what's he watching? Let's look and see. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. I hope you'll grab one and study along. If it's not right in front of you, just point down the row there. Somebody will hand you one. Mark chapter 12, second book into the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. And we're going to begin reading in verse 41. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Says there, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he has said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she possessed, all that she had to live on. Now, a pretty simple story, pretty kind of a, maybe even a straightforward teaching, but in a in a weird way, I kind of find these verses odd. These four verses, when you look at what leads up to these four verses, and as you come out of them, it goes right back into the, the debate with, with Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees there. So you've got all of this going on, and Jesus just kind of comes to this moment. And, and Mark has his camp out here. Luke does the same thing in his gospel, which leads me to the question of why. Why does Jesus want us to see Him sing this? Why does Jesus want us to see him sing her? Now, it says that Jesus is sitting across from the temple treasury. Obviously, that kind of implies some distance. Maybe maybe again, he's kind of out there in the concourse and he's looking into here, into the temple, and and, and people are coming up front and, and they're dropping in their gift. And it says, it implies that he knows what they're giving he knows what each person is doing. Now, we might refer to that as, you know, Jesus is is all-knowing. He, he knows what's going on on the outside. He knows what's going on on the inside. So He would know what each person is doing. But it might not be as divine as that. It might just be that He's hearing them. Because there was a custom. The way they did this, they would walk into the temple treasury, they would walk up to a receptacle, and they would put in their offering and quite often they would announce how much they're giving and what it was for. And, and so you'd walk in and say, well, here's here's ten dollars for the missions or here's here's one hundred dollars for the the budget. Or here's a thousand dollars for the building. They would walk in and kind of announce it like that. And don't you know? I mean, we're all the same, aren't we? Kind of got this temptation, you know, that the the more you give, the louder you talk, right? I mean, isn't that just kind of natural? That'd be that temptation. There, here's ten dollars. Here's a hundred dollars. Here's a thousand dollars to the glory of God and all that's in heaven. It's just our kind of our temptation. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter six. He he comes in in Matthew chapter six and he says, "What? When you do your giving, don't sound the trumpet." You know, a lot of times we might be have read that to hear, you know, right before I give, I'm not supposed to pick up a trumpet and go, da, da 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 That's not actually what he's saying. You know, when they came in and dropped this money, you know what they were dropping it into? Trumpets. There was 13 of them. 13 trumpets, that, these carved out things that look like trumpets, and you walked up and you dropped your money into it. Now, obviously, as you walked up and they would have been using coins, you know, you could kind of, you know, you can kind of make the coin so it goes straight down doesn't make a lot of noise. Or you can drop the coin so it kind of rings around the edge and, you know, wait, and then a little bit more and a little bit more. You can make a lot of noise doing this. So that what? So that it draws attention to you. So that everybody kind of, boy, that guy's giving a lot. Look at all that. Making all, Jesus says, don't, don't do that. Don't walk up to the trumpet to sound a lot of noise, to draw a lot of attention to yourself. And so you walk into the temple treasury and there's these 13 receptacles shaped like trumpets and people are coming up and putting their money and Jesus is watching all this take place and apparently it's like Big Giver's Day or something. But you notice what it says there? It says there are many. It doesn't say some rich people came up. It doesn't say there was some. It says there was many rich people and they were giving large sums of money that day. And then this widow... Now, realize, folks, this is not a story. You know, Jesus tells stories, doesn't he? He tells parables, you know, to, to make a point, to teach something. That's not what this is. This is an actual event. So there's, there really is many large or, or many rich people giving large sums that day. And then up comes this widow who tosses in her two coins. The, the Greek word here is the word lepta, it's a measurement of money in the Greek language. And, and folks, it's about as small as you get. The actual value of this coin, one coin, she put in two, the value of one coin is one-eighth of our penny. You We've know, we gotten, what is a penny anymore? I mean, I'd store them in a jar or something like that, but just a, a penny is just almost worthless. This is one-eighth of a penny. She gave two, so that's a quarter of a penny. Twenty-five percent. What, what do you do with that? I mean, you a lot of money, man. Think of what this can do. Think of the difference this can make, but... But 25% of a penny? What do, you, what do you do with that? You know, I mean, at best, maybe somebody says to her, well, well bless her heart. Bless her heart, she's doing what she's doing what she can. Maybe, maybe at worst, somebody would even be rude enough to say, you know what, honey, just, just keep it. You, you know, we, 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 we've got what we need. You, you probably need this more. You know, just, just keep that. Now, the passage then goes on to say that Jesus summons... He summons the disciples. So, as Jesus is watching, he doesn't see this as kind of a quiet, reflective moment. This is not a warm moment in his heart where he says, Oh, look at what she did. No, he says, Hey, guys, get over here. Disciples, come here. I want you to see this. I want to show you something here. But, by the way, you know what you are, don't you? If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what the New Testament would call you? You're a disciple. So no differently than at that moment when Jesus summons the twelve, is He summoning you and me today? Come here. Come here. I want you to see this. And then He says, you see the widow? She just gave more than all the rest of them. What? What do you mean? We love Jesus. Man, we hang on His teaching. We love His teaching. We're trying to follow His teaching. But what is that supposed to mean? And before we can kind of catch up with where He goes, Jesus kind of Profoundly brings home a very, if you stop and think about it, it's a really simple observation, isn't it? He said, The widow gave out of what she was. The widow gave out of all that she had. The others, they gave out of their, their surplus. They gave what they didn't need. By the way, you know, folks, we've looked at, at the Bible, and the Bible teaches this concept of first fruits. That, that we give first. The very first thing we do with our finances. The very first thing we do with a paycheck is we, we honor and serve the Lord with that. When do you know that you have a surplus? That comes at the end, doesn't it? I've got all my bills paid. The Christmas, Christmas fund is growing. We got about 80% of what we need for vacation. Needs are met. Once are met. Got everything taken care of. What's left is surplus. You you don't know what surplus is until you've taken care of everything else. In other words, surplus is coming at the very end. They're bringing at the very end. They're bringing what's left over. She brought everything that she had. What is Jesus wanting us to see? What is He wanting us to, to take away from this story? I think two things. Number one, God watches. God watches this. Now that's probably not a huge surprise, is it? I mean, we know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere present. And He's not thinned out over the universe. You know, we kind of spread Him and He's big enough to pour. A hundred percent of God is in this room. And a hundred percent of God is in Japan with Carlton and Cornelia serving and ministering and meeting that need there. God is everywhere present. So obviously He's watching. God, God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. So he knows what's going on. It's not just that he's everywhere, but he sees and he knows. But remember, folks, Jesus is stopping in all of this busyness and all that is going on. And he's summoning you and me to see something. What's he want us to see? God watches. God watches giving. God watches giving. And why wouldn't he? God's a giver, isn't he? God's a giver. That's His character quality. That's that's His attribute. It's it's who and what He is. And, And you know what, folks? If there's things that are you, when you see somebody else doing that, you stop and watch, don't you? You're drawn to it. You're attracted to it. When you see somebody being and doing what you are and what you do, God's a giver. When He sees giving, He stops. He watches. Yes, even in the midst of the busyness and all that is going on. Second thing I think we learn in this story is how God measures amounts very differently than you and I. I mean, for us, an amount is how much you can do. More money means more stuff, more ability, more opportunity, less money, less stuff, less ability, less opportunity. But folks, do you realize there is no amount? This is something that just dawned on me, by the way. There is no amount that we give that enables God. You ever thought about that? If we have a big, big offering today, does that mean God can do more this week? No, there's no amount we give that enables God to do more. Likewise, there's no amount that we fail to give. There's no lack of giving that now handcuffs God, that now hinders God. God's not sitting up there waiting to see what we do so He can then find out what He's able to do. Our amount does not enable Him. So He's not measuring the amount as a big amount, a little amount, a more amount, a less amount. You know what He measures? He measures the devotion that produced that amount. Does that make sense? He measures, He sees, He experiences the amount of devotion... To him that produced that amount that was given, and clearly, what we see from the story here is it is possible to actually give a lot and it not be expressing any devotion at all. I mean, if you if you follow the line of thinking of that word surplus, I'm giving you what I don't need. I'm giving you what I don't care about. That's not devotion, is it? That's not expressing love or, or worship or anything like that. Likewise, it is quite possible that in a human way of thinking things, you may be giving very little. Another person might look at that and this God will bless your heart. You know, what, what, what can be done with that? But that's not the way God measures that amount. He sees, man, that was all of you. There was devotion so the issue is not a lot of money or a little money. The issue is the amount of devotion that produced the amount given. You know, folks, we're coming this morning to a time, it looks a little bit like what's going on right here. It, it, it looks a little bit like this story. Uh, just like they did in the temple. They walked forward and they, they put this money in. I mean, we're going to do that. Now, we're not going to put money in right now. It's not going to make any noise because it's not coins, it's paper. And paper is just... Ah, it's just horribly silent, isn't it? a nice big heavy check made a thud, wouldn't it? Mind doesn't do that. No, we're not. We're not going to walk up here and announce how much it is. We're not going to walk up here and and say what it is for. But like this moment, we walk forward, bringing an amount. We pray expresses our devotion, don't we? I mean, we're not paying bills. We're not trying to buy our way into heaven what are we doing? God, I pray this is an amount that expresses my devotion to you. I pray this is an amount that expresses my commitment, my commitment to be a part of the story that you're writing at C.H. Baptist. God, I pray this amount expresses my faith. My faith is not in this amount. I don't trust money to, to provide for me, to care for me, to protect me. I trust you for that. And, and that's why I can let go of this so easily. So just like this, we come forward and, and, and we lay it here at the altar. We commit it to God. You know, folks, a lot of, us, uh, lot of us got one of these cards last week if you were here. And maybe you took that home and you had a chance to, to pray about it, to think about it. Maybe you discussed that with your spouse or with your family. You filled it out and, and in a moment we're going to pray and there'll be some music. And, and man, as soon as I say amen, you'll, you'll be ready to get up and bring it. Maybe, maybe others you're in here, you're thinking right now, oh, I don't even have a card. Well, we've got some there. But you're thinking, well, you know what? Okay, maybe I can spend a few moments right now praying for this. We'll give you that time. But you don't want to say something if you're not ready. That's okay. But folks, coming forward is not about following the crowd. It's not about, well, if I sit here, people are going to wonder why I'm sitting here. No, some some are not ready to do this today. And that's okay. What you bring, you want to bring with purpose and thought and prayer. What you bring, you want to bring cheerfully. You you want to bring ready to do this. You don't want to bring because people are watching. That's what Jesus said to watch out against. And we we want to bring something we've thought through and prayed through. Maybe you're not ready to do that today. That's okay. Maybe you're here today and you're a guest with us. Well, we certainly have no anticipation that you would be bringing a card for. This is a family moment. This is kind of family business. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you get to watch Colonial Heights Baptist be the church. I'm glad you get a chance to watch us express our devotion, our commitment, and our faith. You know, folks, a, a couple of things about the card. What you write on here is obviously treated with great confidentiality. Uh, precious few people that, that do your regular offerings and count, count that and add that up uh, are the same, only the same ones that look at this card. So this is, this is between you and the Lord. As I said last week though it gives you a chance why what's on it gives you a why what's on is between you and the Lord we bring it because it reminds us that we do this together the story God is writing here is not the story of an individual it's not the faith of an individual it's not an individual's walk with Christ it's what we do all together and this gives us a way to come together and to do this you know folks another thing this card is not this card's not a bill we don't take the number off of this and send you a note in June that said, uh, you know, by our records it says back here in April that you said you were going to do this, and uh, just wanted you to know you're a little behind. That's not how we use these cards. As a matter of fact, we've had people even call us in the midst of a year and say, you know, I filled that card back out in April, but my job has changed, or I've I'm making less now, and I, I'm going to have to do less. You know what I said? You know, you didn't need to call. We're not holding the card up. We're not measuring it to see what you're doing. That wasn't ever the purpose of the card. And you know what? If, you're, if, you're, uh, if your salary changes, your giving's going to change. Your salary goes down, your giving goes down. If your salary goes up, your giving should go up. We're not measuring that. The card's not used in that way. The card's between you and the Lord. The card is an opportunity for you to be a part of the body. So as I said, folks, in a moment we're going to pray and there's going to be music and If you're ready, if you've had a chance to pray through this, to think about this, to put down your commitment to that, then uh, as you're ready, you come forward and dedicate it here at the altar and drop it in one of these baskets. Let's pray. Father, I come right out of the Bible. And I recognize, I acknowledge that in this moment, what we're about to do. That you watch. You watch this. You care about it. This excites you. And and God, I thank you that whatever my amount looks like to somebody else, you're not comparing my amount to somebody else. You're not comparing this amount to if it's as much as them or, or how much more it is than that. God, I have the ability to express my devotion and my commitment and my faith Regardless of what this amount looks like to somebody else. And father, on that note, I as I'm about to commit this to you, I pray, I pray. This is an amount that expresses the devotion of my heart. I am overwhelmed, God, that you love me. I'm overwhelmed of all that you've given me and all that you have for me in the future. Your love really is marvelous. And I I want to express that love back. I want to show a devotion to you. God, I pray this card expresses my commitment. I'm so excited about what you're doing here at Colonial Heights Baptist. And I want to join you in that. I want to be a part of that. God, I'm so grateful I have a chance to, to do things that count forever, that are a part of eternity. Father, I pray that what's on this card expresses my faith, not in money, but my faith in you. Lord, we dedicate this moment to you. We bring to you the, the tithe. God, many in this room maybe have gone even beyond that and, and are giving to the building. And God, I pray you'll bless that sacrifice, that faith that would lead them to do above and beyond and even, even more. God, I pray you'll provide them the ability to do that. God, I thank you that when genuine devotion, genuine commitment and genuine faith is expressed. That it doesn't matter what the amount adds up to. You will be able to do all that you want to do. Through our faith, we worship you for that, Lord, as you watch. May you be pleased and may you be blessed. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. And as you're ready, you can come. Heavenly Father, again, I pray that You were blessed today. From our music, to our conversations, to our study of Your Word. God, to our dedication of something that's significant to all of us. Dedication of our finances. God, I pray that what You saw was our devotion. You saw our commitment. You saw our faith. Lord, I know in this room there are people who what they brought forward is representative of years and years and years of trusting you and obediently walking with you in this area. We're we're doing what has become very natural to us. There's others, Lord, who are maybe taking this kind of step of faith for the very first time. They're putting you to the test as you challenged in Malachi 3 to see how faithful and good you can be. Father, I pray wherever we fall in that spectrum, I pray that this moment was a great victory, a great victory of devotion, a great victory of commitment, a great victory of faith. And Lord, we do dedicate every bit of this to you. And know that just as you did with a few small fish and some loaves of bread, you can take this and you can multiply what is here to affect thousands, to affect a world. And that's our desire, God. We love you, we worship you, we dedicate this to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.